Hi, and welcome to Extra Serving, a Nation's Restaurant News podcast. I'm your host, Holly Petrie. Today, we're going to be talking about earnings season. Earnings season has just begun, and we're going to be talking about the trends we expect to see throughout the industry, as well as what we're looking for from certain brands. Chipotle, McDonald's, Subway, Domino's, and Sweetgreen are all reporting this week. We'll give you the rundown on what we're expecting to see in Q2 earnings. Also, we're going to be talking about Chick-fil-A's new prototypes. One new prototype looks a lot like the Taco Bell Defy location, which was a massive success for the brand. The other is a walk-up concept similar to Chipotle's walk-up windows across the country. Will Chick-fil-A be able to get away with the same kind of publicity as Taco Bell? And how will the walk-up windows affect customers' experience? This week's guests, guests are Kat and Landon Eccles of Clean Juice. We have two guests this week, so that's really fun. Now it's time to introduce my lovely co-hosts. I'm Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief of Nation's Restaurant News. And I'm Leanne Zinsmeister, Managing Editor of Nation's Restaurant News. So how are you guys doing today? Oh, just dandy. <laughs> Pretty good. It's a little it's a little hot outside, and if I'm saying it's a little hot outside, then it's actually like boiling. <laughs> well, if there's one thing that we all share geographically, because you know I love to um, you know insult you guys in your New York status, but there yeah. is one thing we share, which is that we are all all in the northern half of a country and have been spared from the heat dome. However, it is on its way, and the heat dome is going to to get us. And having lived in the South for 12, no, 13 years, I thought I had escaped it, but I did not. It's coming for me. I fear this one may be my Mm -hmm. fault, as I have recently traveled to both Texas and Arizona, um, two hot places that had record-breaking heat while I was there. Yeah. And that way back in New York for the foreseeable future and oh no it's gonna be like 104. Leanne so. I think I've told you this already but you take too much vacation and I think this is a sign so should stop we start it. adding that to the permanent agenda on the, the Sam Knox Leanne where in the world is Leanne vacation? right now and why isn't she helping me that's what we should say yep uh-huh. well, anyway. also seen really hot heat and you know we have Crate and Palm Springs, so we're going to have to oh, hope wow. that the heat dies That's down. actually the next trip I have booked is our little Palm Springs adventure. So I, mean, I don't know if I'm cool there. there. So everybody can just sit in the – maybe we should do some of our talks at the pool, Sam. Well, yeah, there are poolside cabanas that could be arranged. Um, but listen, uh, don't uh, don't get your hopes too high because my one time in Palm Springs, um, which, by the way, uh, for those of you who are not aware of Palm Springs, it's the California one. There is no Palm Springs in Florida for everybody who thinks Palm Beach is Palm Springs. They're different. They're on different coasts. Palm Springs, California, also not on a beach. Uh, heard that once recently from somebody. It's in the middle of the desert. And I say all this because it has like one rainy day a year. <laughs> and I experienced it the one day I was there earlier this year. It rained. Um, so I'm not going to assume anything just yet. But yes, we will be in Palm Springs October 1st through 3rd. I am told the weather should be sunny and roughly 85 to 90 degrees at that knock time of wood. year. Yep. So knock on all the wood we got. And hopefully they don't get a second day of rain uh, for the year while we're there. But it should be beautiful. And... Uh, Holly, do you want me to let you do that segue or do you want me to do that segue of <laughs> I already beautiful had a segue in my mind, but then you, then you ruined it with asking if I was going to do the segue. Come on, Sam, you should know better. Well, let that be the segue itself. So we're going to be doing something very cool that we just introduced this week. Um, you guys know about Create. We've been talking about it for a while. We've done it for a couple of years. It's an exciting event. I tell everybody this is the South by Southwest for emerging restaurant brands because it's engaging, it's interactive. It's fun. It's in a, you know, a little bit more of a destination, certainly this year with Palm Springs at the Margaritaville Resort. All of those should be themselves selling points for you. Um, But we wanted to add one more selling point for our friends who are emerging brands. And that is that we launched this week our Investment Summit. Um, This has been in the works for a while now. Uh, Frankly, uh, for many years, I've wanted to do something around investors and emerging brand leaders just because I always hear from emerging brands like, how do I grow? How do I find an investor to give me money? And um, and, you know, I can make email introductions, but at the end of the day, we got to put the people in the room together. And that's what our investment summit is going to be. Very excited to announce that Savory Fund is um, one of our partners on this. And so is the Elliott Group. Both of those names you should know very well by now. Um, they're going to help us put this on. And we are doing it literally 
at a summit. We're going to the top of a mountain. We're taking the tram up to the top, uh, top of Mount San Jacinto is how I'm going to pronounce it. Brett is going to probably yell at me later for mispronouncing it. Um, so there's a tram, goes to the top of a mountain, 9,000 feet elevation, which is uh, affords a very beautiful view of the mountains and valley in Palm Springs. And we are going to bring, again, investors and members of the capital community. So it's investors, bankers, um, financial uh, uh, firms, business services companies, putting them in the room with emerging brand leaders, all with the intention of having some education. We'll do some panels. We'll do some learning. But most importantly, doing some networking. So there will be roundtables, face-to-face access between you, the emerging brand leader, and the people who are potentially going to give you millions of dollars someday. So uh, if that doesn't sell itself, I don't know what will. Beautiful views, top of a mountain, uh, access to capital, uh, learnings, connections, et cetera, et cetera. I think you're going to love it. It's the first day of Create, October 1st. We'll all take the tram to the top of the mountain together. We will spend many hours up there. We will come down transformed, and it will be wonderful. So um, go to create.nrn.com for more information on that. Uh, it is free. If you're an emerging brand leader, it is free, much like the rest of Create. You have to register for Create to get access. So go register for Create and check the box that says you're going to participate in the Investment Summit. You will do that on the first day. We'll come down the mountain, have a party at a pool at the Margaritaville Resort in Palm Springs. Guys, come on. I don't know what else I have to tell you. Uh, And then you'll stick around for two more days of great sessions and amazing speakers and lots of fun. And you meet us and we'll have podcasting and you'll come be on a podcast. And again, sells itself. Create.nrn.com. It is going to be a good, valuable time for us all. Well, I'm sold. See you there. Well, you have to be there. You have to be there or else. So I, don't, I didn't need to sell you. Okay, so. well, you don't have to tell the audience that. Well, audience, if Leanne decided she wasn't coming, she would be fired. So now they all know. So great. You should always leave with margaritas, Sam. Margaritas are what you should leave with. Free margaritas. 100%. And by the way, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm, I, I, I'm going to, which is I believe the registration desk, when you arrive at the Margaritaville Resort for Create, I believe there is going to be a margarita machine at the registration desk, and you will be literally handed margarita, if that's your thing. Um, perhaps we can make it virgin if it's not your thing, um, as you enter the space. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, you know, this is as much about a destination and getting away from the humdrum of everyday life and just have three days in the California desert with your peers in the industry. Um, that I think is uh, it's reason enough to go. But again, we're trying to give you as much value as we can for for taking those couple of days. And um, the investment summit is one more way we're going to do that. I'm very excited for the investment summit because I love learning new brands that we've never heard before. And I feel like we're going to hear a lot of really new, interesting brands at the Investor Summit. And I feel like the investors are too. We have a lot of really interesting brands out here and they don't get a chance to shine. And I feel like this is a great chance for them to grow and become bigger brands that we all just already know about. For sure. And and by the way, you know, we, we speak with a lot of emerging brands um, mostly because if you want to see what the direction of the restaurant industry is, look at these emerging brands that are led by these entrepreneurs who are trying to change things up. And and when we say emerging, we don't really put a number on that. That could be anywhere from like two to 200 locations um, or even much, much higher. Um, really what we mean by emerging is we mean typically a younger brand, maybe more of a regional brand, but with aspirations for big time growth. And, um, and, that's, and that's what makes you emerging. And so if you've got a creative concept, if you are in that category of someone who um, we're, we're keeping the investment summit to hundred locations or less. So that's, that's the demographic we're shooting for. So if you have less than hundred locations, if you're maybe smaller regional kind of brand for now, but you do have those big aspirations, the investment summit could be your launch pad that you've been looking for. Um, so again, don't miss this opportunity to come be a part of it. I mean, I've sold and I also have to be there. So you're selling. No, I don't want you there. there? <laughs> I don't want Holly there. Holly's not going to be there. <laughs> I'm trying to sell this thing, Holly, to other people, so I got to keep you away from it. Oh, well. I'm coming anyways. Yeah. You're going to pay for my flight, so what yeah, I we'll care? see. We'll <laughs> see. All right, so we don't have any news from emerging restaurants this week, but we do have some of the really big guys that have made news. I mean, we have earnings week is starting this week. It started with Domino's, um, and as Alicia called it in a recent article, it's like Christmas time for us. Uh, so 
it's really exciting to get started with earnings season and kind of predict what we think is going to happen. Um, Q1 was amazing for restaurants. They saw really big numbers, but that's because it lacked a really bad time in the restaurant industry. So Q2 is kind of going to be more of a normal comparison to last year than it is to this year. And we're not going to see these huge jumps. I mean, Domino's reported 0.1% same store sales increases, but we also know that Domino's has been struggling. So um, what do you guys think we can expect to see from this earnings and what have we kind of already seen? I'm still really intrigued by the year-over-year changes here. June of 22 is actually when inflation and gas prices both hit their like all-time highs. Um, and those are the numbers that we're starting to see here. A year ago, I think, was a scarier time in the restaurant industry, but restaurants pulled it off. I feel like we were bracing ourselves for some sort of impact that never came, which is great. And now expectations are sky high because the economy has sort of leveled off and restaurants' big achievements aren't as impressive anymore. Um, Chipotle, for example, reported Wednesday night, they had a good quarter. I mean, on face value, like nothing alarming in the numbers, but they missed expectations. Um, Our Chipotle writer, Alicia Kelso, posted a screenshot of... um, their like stock value tanking like during the earnings call just because they missed they they had a great quarter but they missed the mark uh something interesting about chipotle right now is that they are talking about raising menu prices again something that i think we all thought we were getting away from um i mean some restaurants have started talking about lowering menu prices now that we're away from the worst of the inflation and everything uh but chipotle is still seeing markups on things like tortillas um, and so they're talking about going back to menu price increases, which is interesting because I they were one of the first restaurant brands to raise menu prices, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that is the way of the industry, um, if Chipotle follows through on that or if there's pushback. Um, so Chipotle is an interesting one to keep an eye on. Like I said, I mean... They had a 7.4% jump in same store sales. So there is nothing to be concerned about with Chipotle. It's just that they didn't go up as much as people thought they might. Um, Elsewhere, we're really just getting started with earnings. Uh, Domino's reported a so-so quarter, but so-so for Domino's right now is pretty good. They're going to get more interesting as time goes on because they've got this new deal with Uber Eats. Uh, So... In coming quarters, we'll be looking at how that's going. But for now, Domino's is hanging in there, and that's good enough. Um, McDonald's reported Thursday morning they saw a huge traffic spike from the Grimace Shake, which I don't think is surprising. We talk all the time about McDonald's marketing campaigns, and somehow they keep getting, like, more and more traffic from these things. I mean, we had that cactus box Cactus plant. Cactus plant. Cactus plant flea market. Thank you. Um, I don't know, months or a year ago, and it was like record breaking traffic. And now they've got, they had the Grimace shake and it was record breaking traffic. So McDonald's just like continues on their successful marketing role. Um, And we've got lots of brands still to report. Uh, By the time the podcast comes out, we'll have heard from Texas Roadhouse, Sweet Green. And then we'll have even more companies reporting next week and probably the week after. So we're really just at the beginning of this thing. Uh, But there's already there are already some interesting storylines and I think interesting things to come out of this season. Yeah. And if we um, take a step back and just look at the economy more broadly, you know, yesterday, uh, we heard that the Fed is going to increase interest increase interest rates again, uh, which actually kind of surprised me because, you know, the word on the street for the last several weeks has been inflation is cooling. We finally got inflation under control. Uh, but the Fed, I think, just wants to do dagger in the heart here. So they're going to increase interest rates again um and 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 just go for it um but the good news is that yes inflation is going and the other good news is that the fed also said they do not expect a recession at this point so um it looks like we were all all managed to dodge the recession bullet while also for the most part kind of getting over the hump on inflation and that will have uh, an effect more of a long-term effect q2 is not going to be reflective of that but q3 might be just because as inflation cools we will we should expect to see um, that perhaps customers will start going back to restaurants, spending more money, traffic might be up again. 
Um, but there's some other issues at play here. Uh, unemployment is still about 3%. And um, that means labor is still a struggle for restaurants. And so long as labor is a struggle, um, you know, that's going to weigh down some other things uh, for the restaurants that might affect their operating hours or, or, or other things. So, um, and, but yes, if you compare it to this time period in 2022, things look a heck of a lot better that, you know, again, we're over the hump on inflation. Labor is improving at the very least. And we hope to see labor continue to improve. Um, so I guess to answer your question more specifically, though, Holly, and how we're framing this is what should we expect to see from Q2? Yeah. I think we are what we are looking to see is is traffic returning is are, are we normalizing our traffic levels and what seem to be those levers that are helping to return the traffic for McDonald's it's marketing. And I won't get into that too much because last week we, we got into it a little bit in depth. Um, so I suggest everybody go listen to that episode. But it's really incredible to see from McDonald's the power of something such as the Grimace Shake um, viral trend that took off on TikTok and how that's driving people into restaurants. You can't make that up out of thin air. You can't. That's the lightning in the bottle kind of stuff. Um, but you can see, I think, what are people responding to? What's getting them up off their couch and into restaurants? And um, and then again, just kind of hold on to your seat because you know the, there there's still things to be worried about. Inflation still an issue. Labor still an issue. But we are kind of coming down, I think, a little bit from some of those challenges. Certainly over 2022. You know what I found really interesting about what's happening in the restaurant industry and what sort of is coloring these earnings reports is that TikTok is a really huge driver and probably the biggest driver of traffic for a lot of these brands. I mean, that was the McDonald's Grimace Shake drove traffic. The Chipotle quesadilla drove traffic. Those are both TikTok things. And Alicia this week wrote about El Pollo Loco, had a big TikTok campaign that they had saw incredible mm -hmm. traffic from. Their traffic like jumped by like 10 points or something. So I think that TikTok is a marketing strategy that everybody needs to be embracing and using at all times because you can see the results from it. It's clear in the traffic numbers and in the sales numbers. I mean, even next quarter, we're going to see more from McDonald's Grimace Shakes because they ended the quarter at the end of June and some of the Grimace Shake bled into July. So they'll still see a little bit of those, the tailwind from that. Um, so I'm super interested to see how TikTok is really driving these brands traffic. And it's kind of a way to say, be bigger on TikTok. I mean, we saw Taco Bell last year, saw that huge rise from the Mexican pizza. And you just have to say TikTok is where it is and just post as much as you can and put your marketing dollars there because it's proving to work. Well, and there's, I mean, it's, it's sort of like the millennials of 10 years ago where it was where are the millennials go be there and if you can be there and you can tap into that then you will thrive this is the same thing for gen z they're on tiktok um you know and and, and i think of course we're talking largely about qsrs and fast casuals right now right because gen z value oriented they're still sort of what 25 and younger um they're looking for value meals they're coming into some disposable income um but uh you know going back to what the uh to the Fed report and general um, trends, I was reading about how um, Gen Z is, um, you know, less paid and less employable right now than even millennials were. That their Gen Z is struggling even more than millennials. So that will that will be a big value play for restaurants, right? You have to get their attention with not only are you part of a trend like the Grimace Shake, but this is something that's valuable to you. So expect to see the QSRs and the fast casuals hopefully capitalize on that. You know, whether or not full service, you know, they can find ways to, to capitalize on, on something like TikTok as well. But, you know, that might be, you know, you might need to look more to the millennials and, and figuring out, okay, what's the value message for them? I can speak for myself. I won't speak for the two of you. Of course, family orientation for me is what's going to work. And, you know, I don't know how many millennials have kids. Um, I think it's something around 40 to 50 percent. You know, that's that's what you go after for millennial families is, you know, how can I get bang for my buck at a full service restaurant that will, um, you know, also accommodate to very messy, loud um, creatures that don't pay me rent yet live in my house. Um, so anyway, so uh, feeling, Sam. I know I'm really trying to sell parenting on everybody in this podcast. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it is, it is interesting and, and it frightens me how powerful TikTok is because I'm not good at TikTok and I don't go to TikTok. Uh, but, um, at, at the same time, like, Hey, this is just, this is what Twitter nay sorry x nay twitter was uh, uh again a decade ago for the millennials and so this is just the the winds of change if you will 
Well, I wonder for if sure. Threads is going to be a big player in this market because Alicia and I were talking for First Bite the other day, and we were talking about how Threads saw this huge drop in users uh, after like the first week or the first day or something. So like 70% drop in users. So there's this new platform that's reminiscent of Twitter, but I just think that Gen Z is not interested in something like Twitter. But like what it's like how Vine was to millennials that TikTok has become to Gen Z. I don't think Twitter can be replicated. And it's and it's not something that I personally think brands should invest in, but we saw Chipotle invest in it this week. So I think that watching all social media is gonna be really interesting. But what I find on the other hand is that Chick-fil-A doesn't do anything like that. They do nothing like that. And they have this huge brand equity and they have these new two prototypes that they're introducing. Um, one is a walk-up window, which is very interesting because you see those a lot in cities, for, like, but they're opening up in Hawaii. So that's pretty interesting. I think that could work really well for Chick-fil-A. And then they have this huge new prototype that looks like the Taco Bell Defy, which I think is really interesting from Chick-fil-A because you typically think of them as like these like real homey restaurants. Like the, the whole point of it is that workers smile at you. They are so nice. They're like warm and welcoming. And I think that both these are kind of taking that element out of it. And so I'm curious to see how customers react to that. Well, one thing I'll push back on is that, I mean, Chick-fil-A is certainly active on social media. I mean, I don't think they are as much into the, you know, trying to go viral social media campaign like McDonald's is, I guess. Um, but, uh, but you know, they were, they were having some fun with the chicken wars with Popeye's chicken sandwich. And so, 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 you know, if you look at a lot of the, a lot of the QSR fast casual brands in particular, even some of these ones that have been around forever, um, you know, everybody's sort of trying to tap into it in their own way. And, uh, just to go back to will threads become the next big thing? I don't think so. I mean, I count me among the people who got on there just to get on there and have not looked at it one time since. Um, but the difference between a threads and a TikTok, and again, not to revisit the last conversation, but, um, you know, it's the difference between conversation and content, right? Like TikTok is content. Twitter is conversation. Um, of course there's, you know, overlap in there too. And that TikTok people seem to have conversations on that. I think, I don't know, uh, Twitter, you can share content on that too, but, but, um, you know, Twitter is where you go to be on the sort of the, the pulse of what is happening right now. What's going on with our world. And there's a way to leverage that. TikTok is how are we going to be creative with content? How are we, you know, doing audio video on our product? How, and that's a billboard for your brand. Um, so that's where I think TikTok really thrives for the industry. And since Threads is more the conversation element, it, it remains to be seen if that will take off. But going back to your specific point about Chick-fil-A, um, yeah, it's really interesting to see this for sure. But for all of you who are my fellow suburbanites who have been to many a Chick-fil-A drive through you know just how insane this place is and how much i mean i i swear to you these are like this is like air traffic control when you come into a chick-fil-a drive-thru i'm saying this for the sake of you new yorkers who only walk to your places and don't go through drive-thrus holly especially for you who's been through exactly one drive-thru in your life chick-fil-a drive-thrus including the one right by my house i mean when you come onto the plot it's it's mayhem I mean, good mayhem and and credit to Chick-fil-A. They they are literally air traffic control. I mean, they are like, you go here, you go here, this way. Um, but I mean, we're talking, you got to drive like two times around the building to get into the right lane. There's like three lanes and it's, I go this way, you go this way, here's the window. Okay, over here, somebody's with a, a tablet ready to take your order. It's mayhem. And um, so what I'm really interested in, in with this uh, new prototype they've announced this week, which looks like the Taco Bell Defy, is how much this could solve for a lot of that, because it's it's uh, it seems that there's a lot of wayfinding involved, as Alicia wrote about that. Uh, you know, part of their challenge really is um, just helping the customer who drives onto the plot figure out what to do, because th these things have got to be easy. People choose fast food restaurants so that it's not stressful, not difficult not a complicated situation. It is easy, convenient, quick, right? And and Chick-fil-A, because of the amount, massive amount of success they've had, unfortunately, it's to their detriment because it makes their drive-throughs a little bit all the opposite of all those things. So I'm really interested to see this because it's like, okay, could it make, you know, simplify, you know, where do I drive? How do I get my food? How do I order? 
I think it could really do that. On top of, I saw somebody on LinkedIn, somebody said something about it being like a floating restaurant. And I like that concept because like a floating restaurant is almost like, again, a billboard for your brand because you're elevating the restaurant. And so you can start to see these restaurants a little bit better and you don't need that, you know, sign that extends 100 feet up into the air to say to everybody on the highway what you're all about. Um, So, um, but to your point, Holly, how much are we they removing the people out of this? Because it sounds like they're going to be using some of these pneumatic tube situations, much like uh, Taco Bell Defy and Wendy's recently announced. Um, and and there is a removing the hospitality piece of that, remo- removing the human being. And Ch- Chick-fil-A has always been all about that human component. So um, this is a recognition from them. I think that they've got to they've got to make their uh, real estate less chaotic, more efficient more simple, um, accommodating what is often like 10 cars in the drive through at least at a time, if not way more. But, um, w- you know, TBD on how can they still maintain that hospitality that they're known for. Right. I obviously can't speak to the drive through um, concept here, although I've been to many a drive through in my life, just to be clear. But you have your drive through bona fides still, driver. sure. Yes. A lot. Um, However, I can speak to the walk-up concept, which they are in fact testing here in New York City, which I think is the perfect place for such a test. Now, this Hawaii concept prototype that they introduced last week is off-premises only, and it does have a walk-up window, but it also has a drive-through and it has like parking spots for mobile order pickup. The New York City test next year will be just a walk-up window. Um, They expect most sales to be order ahead on your phone, pick it up at the window, uh, you'll be able to order food there if you happen to just wander up, but they don't anticipate that being a huge chunk of sales. Now in New York, like, yes, hospitality is important, but efficiency is really the name of everybody's game here. Um, <clears throat> we will smile and be polite to the worker, but we, you know, it, I don't think hospitality is as important to those of us who live and eat in New York on a regular basis. So I think that makes perfect sense for this, um, new Chick-fil-A prototype. I think New York is the perfect place to test it out. I'm curious to see how it works. I'm fascinated by the different like operational things they have to think about. Like they're putting a lot of thought into setting up bike parking for third-party delivery drivers who are probably going to be spending a lot of time at this Chick-fil-A if I had to guess. I'm curious to see the logistics um, of how this is going to work, but I'm super intrigued. We've seen some walk-up windows at other concepts. Um, Chipotle has been putting them in at locations that are near college campuses, you know, where maybe a lot of people don't have cars. Uh, But I don't know that I've seen many walk-up only restaurant concepts without like a full dining room and everything. So I'm curious to see how it actually takes place. I'm curious to see how the test goes in New York. Now the drive-through concept is being tested in Metro Atlanta and that's intentional because headquarters is in Atlanta and they wanna be able to lend um, corporate support as much as possible. So I'm curious to see how it goes doing a prototype test um, further away from HQ. Uh, But I can't think of a better place to test a concept like that than New York City. And then I'm curious to see if other concepts follow suit. You know, I think the first walk-up window, I could be wrong, but I think the first walk-up window was um, the Taco Bell walk-up window in one of the Yankees uh, bars. The bar itself has literally a window into the Taco Bell next door that you can order food at. And that's been there for a long time. So I feel like that may have been the first walk-up window. That's just my Wasn't guess. Wasn't that part of like a full Taco Bell thing though? Like you could also part, get it from the window in the cantina. bar, but yeah. It's a Taco Bell cantina, but you can order in the window while you're drinking at the bar. And no, then you I can know. walk right up to- watched you do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it works. I've seen it in action. Um, but I think that that's a really interesting thought. Like maybe they could have windows for like in the one, like maybe Yum Brands can do that because they have all of these different brands that they often keep together. And maybe they could do a window where, you know, you could get, your KFC, but you could also get something else. Like you could have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I think that could be an interesting thing to work out in the future. It's like we've backed our way into the co-branding concept of the 2000s. 
<laughs> like at my uh suburban hometown holly had literally a taco bell pizza hut so you could go get a quesadilla and a side of breadsticks or a pizza and a side of nachos um i think you've just discovered What's old is new again <laughs> i think so and, and and i mean to holly's point like co-branding is getting trendy again we're seeing more and more of it with like focus brands for example um but it is like an older concept that is returning <laughs> But I think if you put the window in between, it could be interesting that like you can pre-order something and then get something else and you could have a little bit of everything in your meal. You could order for the whole family and not have to go between the stores. I think that could be a cool idea. Just just sit, sure. spitball in here. <laughs> Sam has nothing to say. I, I'm not going to entertain your ideas, Holly. I uh, I don't want to know what's going on in your head sometimes. I thought that was a pretty good idea. Oh, I did have, okay, so <laughs> I feel like we're done talking about this, so I'm gonna bring up my news. Um, I did have Wingstop oh, for the first time this week, and that was pretty exciting. Okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I totally I mean, sauce. I, I, you know, I feel like we, we've talked about this before, but it feels like we need to have a segment, which is what restaurant is Holly discovering this week? Yeah, or or which major restaurant chain has is Holly discovering this week because um, so a it took you this long. on my corner. There's a Wingstop on my corner. I pass it all the time. I just had never been there before, but I was out with a friend and they were like, let's go get Wingstop. It's like, I'd love to. And their ranch is delicious. They make really good ranch. Yeah, it's good. There's a reason they made like a bazillion dollars in 2020 because yeah, no, well, food is good. ever since then, of course, too, but it's good. The food is very good. I... I give it a good mark. So I may order it again. I mean, I did order Taco Bell for lunch today and it's on its way right now, but um, maybe I'll go back to big stuff at some point. I'm sure your review means everything to them. You know what? I bet it does. I bet it means something. <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for joining me and I'm gonna turn it over to Brett Thorne who interviewed Kat and Landon Eccles from Clean Juice. So thanks for joining me guys. Why don't, why don't you talk our audience through your, your menu? Yeah, so when we opened in 2015, we started with um, juices, smoothies, and acai bowls, and that that was, um, you know, our our main menu offering. We just had kind of those three categories, and then as we grew and we're opening new stores, we knew that people wanted, you know, maybe not just a smoothie, but a little something to eat with it. So we added toasts um, a couple years in. So we had um, avocado toast, which is, you know, it's a a sign of the times at this point. So we launched our avocado toast, which is still one of our best sellers, um, an almond butter toast, a hummus toast. And then really every year after that, we started adding menu categories. So we added um, salads, which we were called green wall bowls at the time, but now we call them salads. We added um, wraps the following year and then sandwiches the year after that. So now we have a pretty, pretty big menu, um, you know, a pretty wide offering that, that, we're always working on and we're always trying to keep fresh and new, but we really want to make sure that we have something for everybody. And that was kind of our main point. You know, we found that we were pigeonholing ourselves a little bit with the juices and smoothies and acai bowls. I always like to reference like my dad, like, you know, my dad's not ever probably going to have a green juice or even a smoothie, but he'll go in and get a Buffalo chicken sandwich and be really happy. And we can kind of go to the same place. So um, we've really grown our menu to, to have offerings for more people and um, just to stay relevant with the times as I think, um, you know, food and center of the plate is really important. But you are mostly franchised, right? You have like what? 10, 11 company owned locations, something like that. Yep, um, exactly. That's right. And then the rest are 11. Just curious. Um, right now, I think it's 11. Okay. And how many franchise locations? Um, we have about, I'd say 115 or so. Okay. And so uh, being mostly franchised, you keep adding to the menu. Does that like that makes it operationally more complex? How do you how do you, you and your yeah. cope with that? I think I think um, our operators are ready to just dig in with what we have. So I think we're all focused on that. You know, I think that we always try to balance um, just creativity and um, you know innovation and new things with um, you know trying to keep the operator in mind. So I think that. The last few years have just been so chaotic for everybody on every level that I think everybody just wants a little bit of peace. So I think, you know, I don't see us adding any new categories or 
um, lots of new products. I think we'll just tweak what we have and and keep kind of messing with our current SKUs. But um, it's definitely a balance that we all have to find. Yeah, when we you know we add a new category, we try not to add new SKUs with it. So uh, we talk a lot about Mexican food, which is kind of interesting because we're a juice bar. But when you go to get Mexican food, uh, there's tacos and burritos and enchilada, and there's so many different things. But they use like ten ingredients to make everything, right? That's just different so we, Yeah, yeah. So we we talk a lot about that, and how do we you know how do we make sure that we're offering maybe a new taste profile, but we're using the same SKUs that we're already bringing in. Um, you know, for example, we have, I'm sure we're going to talk about this, but we have our $6 summer menu, right? We know that folks right now, especially with inflation and, and you know, rising costs and just a bunch of different, you know, issues that are happening um, in the economy, people are, are certainly, you know, um, focused on wallet and spending. So, you know, how do we come up with a menu that's only $6 across the nation? Uh, we're not bringing in new SKUs for it. We're bringing, you know, we're using things that we already have sourced. How do we create this menu? And so it's exactly what we did. So what is on that menu? What what can I get for six bucks? Yeah, you can get, um, we have a, a variety of things. You know, we didn't want to just do one category. So, you know, we have some more of the kind of lighter things we thought for summer. Lemonades would be great. So they're on there. Uh, we have some coffee products that are on there. Uh, we have a few smoothies that are on there. And then we even had some food items that are on there, like a cheesy wrap and some other things. Mm-hmm. When that that's quite a discount because your juices are not cheap because they're they're cold pressed fresh juices, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't have any cold pressed uh, juices on the menu, but we do have um, uh, some smoothies and some lemonades and things like that. So you know, not the cold pressed juice on there because, like you said, they are you know cold pressed and you know they're just a little bit more expensive to create. Um, but the, um, some of the other menu items, you know, you certainly get that kind of refreshment, uh, cold smoothie, cold lemonade type of a thing. And, and as I understand it, you've given your franchisees more options about how to do their cold pressed juices, right? They can do it in house or they can have it done for them. Is that right? So we switched, um, late last year, we switched to a centralized, um, HPP product. So before that we were doing cold pressing in the back of all of our locations and um, obviously there's a lot of operational burden there. Um, there's some food safety, you know, things we wanted to look at um, and consistency of product and just, you know, the ability to have stocked coolers all the time. So it, we were probably, um, it was probably time to make that change. So we found a great company um, out in California that's a huge farm where they grow um, a lot of what we put into our juices, everything else they source in, and then they pick it right there on the farm press our juices and then ship them out. So that was a big change for the system. Um, but, you know, we definitely sleep better at night knowing that the product is, uh, you know, much safer, uh, cleaner. It tastes great. It's really fresh because it's picked right from the farm and then bottled versus, you know, having to go through a supply chain. So um, overall, it's been it's been a change, but it's been great. So HPP, in case people don't know, is high pressure pasteurization. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 high pressure processing. So it's oh, not. Okay. Yeah. So pasteurization, it's a little bit of a different animal. Typically, when you're talking about pasteurization, you're talking about some kind of heating element um, with cold um, uh, with HPP, your high pressure processing. So you are putting the juice through through a processing mechanism, but there is no heat. And the benefit to that is that the juice is still organic. It's still cold pressed. It goes into this pressure machine. And what it does is simply. Uh, this big vat fills up with water and it has tubes that have the juices in it. And it creates just a ton of pressure where if there was any harmful bacteria that could be in there, it can't live under that pressure. So it, so it dies. Um, and so that's how we were able to get a longer shelf life. And that's how we were still able to get the nutrient quality um, in, the H, in the HPP juices that we had before in the raw juices because they're not using heat at all to make those juices. Just as if they were doing it uh, in each location, but um, more efficiently and with more consistency, I'm guessing. That's exactly right. Yep. Still cold pressed. That's what we did at the locations before. Um, But kind of as we grow over 100 units, um, you know, they were definitely having some consistency issues. We're having some uh, just stocking it. Right. If they sold, let's say an operator made 10 uh, bottles of our orange juice in the morning. Well, somebody could buy it, come in and buy all 10 and then 
for them to get the juice back on the shelf, they have to go through the whole process of remaking it. And it was it was really, honestly, our owner's biggest gripe was that they had to kind of run this mini manufacturing facility in the back of the restaurant and then, you know, their juice bar up front. And so we went through this process of, of you know, centralizing it. Um, now, if they run out of juices, all they have to do is order through Cisco. It's shipped into them um, and, you know, it comes the next day. And how does the cost differ from uh, juicing it in-house to having it done for you and then shipped to you? Well, <clears throat> do you mean from the guest perspective or from the franchise perspective? From the franchise perspective or the yep. guest perspective. I mean, let's talk about both. I imagine yeah, yeah. prices have, well, I don't know. I don't know what the prices have done. Maybe yes. they've also gone up. There is a thing called inflation that's been happening. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. So that was one of the biggest things that we looked at. Um, you know, we used to offer a 16 ounce juice, uh, but most of the times our guests would say that that's kind of a, a lot of juice to drink. And the industry standard was around a 12 ounce juice. So we, we, we shifted down to a 12 ounce juice that actually allowed us to lower our cost to the guest. So rather than increasing our price to the guests, um, we lowered the cost on most of the SKUs. So in, in most stores, you're going to find that our lemonade uh, juices are $7.95. Our uh, fruit and vegetable juices are $8.95. And then our nut milks are $9.95. They're just a little bit more expensive to make. Um, so the franchise owner gets to order them and at about a 50% margin um, and to where before they were ordering in the produce and then they'd have to pay labor to make the product. So, you know, from our calculations, they're much higher than 50% um, in terms of, of, you know, what they're spending to make the product. So, you know, this comes in finished. Uh, they don't have to make it and they get to put it right on their shelf. I mean, 50% is still a high food cost, but I guess if you have lower labor, then that can help. Or no labor on this product, right? And then right. one has to take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a, it's a retail item versus a made in house item. So it's a little bit of, you know, kind of a mental shift and change. And, um, you know, for an operator, they're writing kind of one check to purchase the, the product um instead of you know buying the oranges here and the bottles here and the labels here and then the labor so it's um it's just kind of an adjustment to understanding how all those costs shake out a little bit yeah but it's certainly certainly less labor intensive and less stressful um for the ownership groups and um you know we we own you know we're the largest multi-unit in the system and we like it for our operations a lot so yeah and and uh, your franchisees, how has their response been? I think um, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, I think that, you know, owners who can wrap their head around the math and kind of see, you know, especially multi-unit owners where let's say they had four stores and they have a cold presser that quits at one store. Um, well, they'd have to send that person to another store. And, and, and that was just overbearing, I think, just in terms of trying to operate a location. Um, so I think that, you know, some owners, they absolutely love it. Um, I Most owners say that, that they would never go back. And so I think that that's the proof in the pudding, right? You know, given the option, would you go back to make it in-house? And the majority of them say absolutely not. Uh, you know, the one thing is, of course, everyone wants lower food costs. And that's something that we're working through with our supply chain right now. And uh, we're hoping to have a great update on that coming out here pretty soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, so what would you say these days is Clean Juice's point of distinction from all the other 10 million juice brands out there? Yeah, I think the big one is that we're the only national certified organic juice chain. So uh, when you look at, you know, some of the other players that are out there, um, from our perspective, we believe that, you know, we use the best ingredients, highest quality, um, no one, you know, no one's certified organic like we are. We don't add sugar to anything. So if you want kind of the cleanest, best product, um, there really isn't a competitor out there that matches us on a national scale. There's some good kind of local competitors here and there in different markets that do a great job. But from a national perspective, uh, when a guest walks into a clean juice, you know, whether they're in California or Florida or North Carolina, they know that they're getting a certified organic product um, that doesn't have anything in it besides what's on the menu. So we're really transparent around what we serve. And, um, you know, we just wanted to serve the healthiest kind of best products. We know that people who are seeking out juices and smoothies are doing it because they're trying to make a health conscious decision. Um, and so, of course, you know, not everyone drinks juices and smoothies. So we added some food items that we believe are very healthy as well that are organic. And so, um, you know, that that's really the big differentiation for us. 
Have you had difficulty uh, sourcing organic products over the past three years? You might have heard about supply chain challenges. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's. I, I don't think that organic has been hit, you know, differently than the entire industry, though. Uh, it is, you know, there are less uh, organic products than there are conventional products. So I would say that, you know, we've all faced a lot of sourcing challenges. I can't say that we've faced, um, you know, worse challenges, although some items are, are certainly harder to come by. Um, but I can't, you know, with all the different operators that are out there, we've all kind of been in the supply chain challenge boat. And so, um, you know, we've all been dealing with it. I would say that, you know, we, we do have a national account with Cisco. And so we work through with them, um, you know, to, to make sure that our supplies get to all of our stores. And it's never perfect. It never is. But uh, we're working every day to try to make it better. And have your customers been accepting of that generally? Uh -huh. Like our guests. Um, you know, sometimes you're out of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that um I think early on. Early on, yeah. yeah. Right. Like right after COVID, people were very accepting. I think that, you know, as we move past COVID, uh, you know, perhaps guests are maybe a little less accepting. And so, you know, but at the same time, supply chain's getting better. So I think it's all kind of coming around at the same time. You know, I, I was talking to some restaurant operator friends who are always baffled when they tell a customer that they're out of something and the customers are like, oh, oh, I'm angry. Like, how is that helpful to anybody? Like, right. you are out. We can't do anything about it. Yeah. Sorry. Work out your anger against somebody else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're you are now eight years old. Clean juice, right? You found were founded in 2015. Yes, that's right. What did you have in mind when you got Clean Juice started? Um, when we started Clean Juice, we really just wanted to open something that we believed in, something that was truly healthy, something where our guests could come in and they know that they were in a place that they could trust um, because we were you know, using the best quality ingredients and we weren't trying to tell them it was a healthy product and then you know, add a bunch of turbinado or whatever else, other sweetener that you know, other brands might use. And so for us, we just wanted to offer something that people could really get behind and, um, you know, a, a truly a place where they could truly trust for health. And, you know, that's what, that's what we did when we got started. And, you know, from, from our perspective, we, we opened the first one went great. Um, we opened a few more corporate locations. They went great. Um, you know, people kept coming in and asking us, Hey, is this a franchise or would you guys consider franchising it? Um, you know, is this a you know a franchise location? And so we actually, it's funny, we didn't set out to franchise. I always say that franchising kind of found us. Um, you know, so we learned about it and we thought that it could be a great opportunity to to grow the brand with franchisees. And so we went that route. And so, you know, I never thought that we'd have this amount of stores in eight years, but at the same time, you know, I don't think a lot of us kind of planned, you know, what the last, you know, several years have held for any of us. So um, it's been great. You know, of course, there's been challenges, but when we set out, like we just really wanted to open something that was truly healthy and something that guests could really get behind and really be guest centric and community centric. And I feel like, you know, we've we've done a good job with that. Cool. So you now have a robust menu. You're not planning on adding any new categories for a little while. So what are your plans for the next, I don't know, year, 18 months, whatever? Yeah. Well, we've got um, some fun stuff coming out in the fall. Uh, we're going to be offering more of a coffee line. So, you know, we've kind of toyed around with that in the past, but I think that um, with what we're going to be launching here, I think it's going to go over really, really well um, because coffee is one of those items where, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the most sprayed um, crops in the world. In fact, I think it is the most sprayed crops. And when I say sprayed, I mean with pesticides and things like that, right? Herbicides, um, so we want to put a really, you know, healthy spin on that. And so organic coffee from our perspective is really important to drink because you're not getting all those pesticides. And so we want to have, you know, a healthy organic coffee product. So that's going to come out in the fall, which will be perfect because, you know, it'll be getting the weather will be getting a little colder. And so we'll have some really great options there. Um, and then I think just, you know, continuing to improve what we have, I think, um, you know, we've, we've launched, uh, when we launched our food items, we did it with a panini press and, you know, great, you know, when the store is operating really well, that can work. But if you have a new employee who maybe leaves the sandwich on too long, it burns, there's some challenges with that. 
Um, so we're testing speed ovens in some locations and those seem to be going really, really well. So hopefully we can put a plan together to get those into, you know, more and more stores. Um, but, you know, really, I would say to you at the end of the day, it's how do we how do we, you know, make sure the guest is happy when they leave clean juice? And that's that's always priority number one, because happy guests come back and they come back more often. And then that's better sales and better sales lead to better profitability. So it really for us, it's always about the guest and how do we get them to keep coming back into clean juice? So coffee, that's a big category. That's that's exciting. Um, I, I, and it's funny when clean the idea of clean juice is the idea of healthy and and often people you know try to find something bad about coffee but they've been trying for 500 years and nothing <laughs> really stuck. i say as an avid coffee drinker but like and i mean if you get jittery when you drink coffee don't drink coffee but or drink less yeah right or drink less uh how about energy drinks have you guys played around with energy drinks at all that's super trendy no, you know, we do have some, uh, we have like an energy shot and we've got some other things, um, <clears throat> or at least we have in the past. And so we try to use like, there's obviously a lot of, you know, great produce that has great different benefits for different things. And so Kat's probably the better expert on this stuff, but we just, you know, whatever we launch, we try to do it kind of naturally through, you know, what's kind of grows out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we, you know, our, our energy one juice is a beet based juice because beet really helps with energy. It brings oxygen to the blood and around the body. Um, we have a couple of different matcha products and then of course some coffee things, but we've never, never thought about any energy drinks. Yeah. Maybe next year. I mean, <laughs> coffee's an energy drink. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really the, the purest energy drink, you know? Right. So I'm, I'm there for a ginger shot too. Do you have ginger shots? Yeah. That's my favorite product we have. It's called the immune booster. And it's, you know, ginger, uh, a little bit of carrot, a little bit of lemon. It's, I have one every day. It's the best. Does it make your ears ring a little bit? Sometimes my ears ring when I get oh. a ginger shot. I've never heard that. Oh, in a, in a good way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, like opens you up. Yeah. Like I'm being cleaned out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're in a bunch of states, right? 20 yes. Some odd? Yes. I think. Uh, do you have? plans for entering new markets or does it kind of depend on which franchisees call you or what's what's plan? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think I think we're big enough that it's smart to to really um focus on the markets that we have versus um really getting into new ones. So, um I think we just want to you know, we want to make the stores that we have super healthy, as profitable as we can and um, you know, that's our number one focus. So, but it does seem to be a theme for this year, improving your efficiencies and just, you know, mm -hmm. getting better at, at regrouping. What you do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's It's been a long few years. Yeah. As you said, now we just want a little piece. Yes. <laughs> Great. Well, it was a pleasure spending time with both of you, Kat and Landon Eccles. I uh, hope we get to do it in real life sometime. Yeah, Brad. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.